hiring is hard. If you're employed in a larger business with, a, with an existing brand, let me tell you, when you do your own thing, it's, it's a bit harder than you think it might be. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter Podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm very happy to be joined today by Joe Curtis. Joe is a recruiter, a founder of multiple businesses, and now an investor who helps to build and scale recruitment companies. The first business Joe and his co-founders built, 3Search, launched in 2014 and currently employs 40 people. With the successful scaling of 3Search, Joe turned his attention to building the 11 Investments Group, which now has a total of 100 heads with six recruitment companies within the group. 11 Investments was named as one of the Sunday Times top places to work in 2023. Joe, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. We know so many people in common. I'm surprised that we've not... This is the first time we're meeting. I know. Crazy. Um, so I'm glad it's it's better late than never. Um, one of the people we know in common is Adrian Romani. Of course. Um, who I believe is part of S... Uh, I, I, wish, S3? I wish it was S3. It's not S3. It's 3Search. 3Search. <laughs> um, yeah, my mistake. Uh, yeah, Adrian <laughs> now works in 3Search. Adrian, the, the legend of uh, e-commerce recruitment that he is. Um, yeah, has uh, happily joined us about a year ago now. So is 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 leading our e-com proposition within 3Search and doing awesome. really well. Yeah, good guy. Such a great guy. Like we, um, he worked with us for a while in our coaching program uh, and was really well liked, uh, you know, with the, within our community. Just so great guy. Shout out to Adrian Romani. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hopefully he will, he will listen to this. So um, listen, what I really want to pick your brains about is a couple of things. One is you've got a great culture and you've won awards for it. And, you know, so I want to talk to you about building a business people actually want to work for. And then, you know, that obviously is a critical component of the bigger piece of launching and scaling recruitment businesses. Um, like, but before we dive into that, Joe, could you just tell us a little bit about your journey and how you've gotten to this point of now being an investor and and helping to launch and scale firms? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I if I go right back, um, <laughs> so I got into recruitment in two thousand and seven after the um, high flying years of 05 and 06. Uh, yeah, it was a great time, great time to get in until uh, two thousand eight happened. Um, and uh, I was in our Weybridge office at Michael Page, and I uh, moved up to the London office, became pals working closely with a guy called Charlie Rawstron. Um, and I had moved into um, Michael Page Digital, a new, a new discipline that Charlie then came over and started to run and grow. And I moved into a billing role. Um, during that time, we uh, a young chap called Andy Sellers, we hired into the business. Um, and we got on well and we did well and for a couple of years and it was all good and we were loving it. And then at some point we decided we were gonna we were gonna maybe give it a go and do our own thing. And uh, after a, a long, long conversations over quite a long period of time, to be fair, we launched 3Search. And w- one of the um uh, one of the reasons if we ever didn't win work at Michael Page when we were pitching to clients, one of the reasons we didn't win the work was because they went with a boutique. We hated this phrase boutique at the time uh, uh, because it meant basically meant losing work. Um, so we, it's uh, funny. We sorry to interrupt. We love the phrase boutique because we champ like 
that's our market, right? We, well, exactly. We're against the big guys, and we champion the 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 little guys, the solos, and the boutique. Uh, well, exactly. Firms. Well, I, well, I soon joined your band in uh, immediately after leaving leaving Michael Page, and we that's exactly what we do. And uh, we had a load of success. Um, just yeah, going at it from that angle. We were a boutique. We were a specialist. We were a marketing recruiter. We had a we had a decent pedigree behind us and great relationships, and we had a load of early success. Um, yeah, from from being that specialist business, we were getting better rates than we used to get at Michael Page with the same with 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 similar businesses. We were getting conversations with people where they were saying, "If you were still at that group, that business, we wouldn't be talking to you anymore. We wouldn't be talking to you." Like some unreasonable attitudes, quite honestly. But it was great for us. Um, so we were like, "Okay, well, we've happened upon this being very specialist, um, and it's working well, but we want to grow to a significant size." that's going to be difficult or there's going to be, that's going to get to a point where it becomes difficult in scaling a marketing recruitment firm in London um, to yeah to a significant size um, and we're still on that growth journey now so we decided to start looking at investing in other people um, I think after the first investment came along to be honest because that was a, a guy who who knew us from from that business? Who came to us and said he wanted to do his own thing, but he didn't want to do it on his own. So that was the birth of um, us partnering with Chris Shuri to launch Higher Capital Consulting. Um, and then another one came along, and then we then we formally yeah another one. Then that next one came along again from the business we were in before. Um, a lady who by the at the time was Jordan Parrick is now Jordan Stern, and so that run she runs a um, another business in our group called Seeker, um, and. Uh, at, th- at that point, we we set up eleven investments as a holding company, and we thought, okay, this is our this is our strategy. Um, we're going to go at it um, a bit harder. And uh, Charlie and Andy run Three Search, and my responsibility was to was to identify opportunities to grow that group through hiring people for the existing businesses and finding new people to invest in. Um, and so it. now we are, yeah, a group of disciplined specific recruitment companies, boutiques based in London, focusing on the UK and the US, about 100 heads um, and six businesses. Joe, it's incredible, like in less than 10 years, yeah, from that launching in 2014, where you've gone to already is phenomenal. Can I just ask from a strategic point of view, why invest in other startups instead of just reinvesting that same capital in growing your original business? Because we didn't want a multidiscipline business, we did. We wanted a group of specialists. Ah, uh, um, okay. And I suppose we could have done, we could have done multidiscipline, multidisciplines within within one organization, or, or had yeah. a group of businesses that we owned and we hired people in to run. But yes, we we like you've just said earlier, we we champion small business, we um, uh, we champion entrepreneurship and and growth of, of small companies and we have a platform that enables significant ownership to the guys that come in and found the businesses with us yeah. so we're at a point now where um yeah we know how to um i call it kind of boutique power like we know how to scale and grow a recruitment business today in 2023 and we bring in founders who know their market really well um and with our blueprint and the kind of the I suppose the, the core foundations we've got of our beliefs of how to run a business and the systems, um, if they're the right person, they can plug into that environment and and we can go quite quickly. Amazing. All right. Uh, so 
When you're talking to founders about, you know, launching and scaling, what's um, what's the roadmap look like? How like what is the roadmap, and then um, what is your role in uh, facilitating the, that uh, trajectory for them? So, the roadmap is um, although there is a there is a template. Um, and we have goals and, and, and prove a track record of, of what we can what we can do in a set period of time. It is market dependent, um, and and also to a certain extent, it's down to that person's um, ambitions and capability. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a, a super biller um, would be really good at getting things off the ground, but they might not be so good when you when you've got a few more heads, uh, as yep. opposed to a, a manager profile might not be so good at getting things off the ground. But when there's a critical mass of people, it you know, starts to come into their own. Um, what they what they get uh, from us as a as a incubating investment model. So we, we, it's important to stress that we are we're not interested in a hands off investment. Um, we we don't really um, apart from an anomaly, we don't deal with investments that aren't in our office with us. So that those individuals are buying into being a part of our environment. So um, yeah, they get all the the obvious, the obvious benefits are a shared service provision. So finance, ops, talent acquisition, um, marketing. Um, so yeah, you start your own business, you've got to go and figure out how to do that. Um, or you come and plug into our existing models, which which we think work really well. That's that's pretty obvious, and and the cost saving you get from that might not be as obvious, but it is significant. So you don't have to outsource. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to outsource your finance to an accountancy. We've got an exceptional in-house team who do that, and we charge all that back at cost to those businesses rather than make profit in the in the investment house. Um, sorry, in eleven investments. So th- th- that's more, that's kind of more obvious, I suppose. The less obvious pieces of like the environment they're becoming a part of and the culture they're benefiting from the the group celebrations that we that we run and the sense of belonging that all the employees of all the little brands feel by being a part of 11 investments and we take all of that operational stuff off the founders hands pretty much so that they are coming in to run a to run a business but to run the sales arm of that business so they they bill they generate work and they manage their team and we try and look after everything else um on top of that is also the cost efficiency cost efficiencies you get from um, yeah, the economies of scale of buying products and services um, in in bulk, as it were. You know, all of these things ultimately add to the profitability of the of the business. Yeah, we've made a lot of mistakes over the next nine years and over the last nine years, and for the next nine, we're going to spend our time preventing um, preventing other biz- other other businesses we invest in from making those same mistakes and. The, the compounding effect is we are um, every every iteration, every new business we launch goes goes better more quickly, um, with less mistakes and ultimately more profit. We are we are absolutely obsessed with not being fixated with an end goal. Um, everybody, oh, in my view, lots of people anyway who who set up a recruitment business have a fixed exit in mind, um, and just yeah, it just doesn't happen for. 99.99% of the of the recruitment population. So we, we don't have a fixed goal we're working to, which is in X period of time we want to sell for this amount of money. We are seeing how great we can be, seeing what we can build, um, but really focusing on enjoying it all as much as we can. And part of enjoying it is seeing the fruits of our labor rather than completely going at it just to get a, just to get a sale at some point. 
makes total sense. I lo- there's so many things I want to circle back to. Um, but I love this, by the way, Joe, what you're what you're describing. I mean, all of the things sound good in terms of like the shared service, uh, you know, center for ops, finance, marketing, you know, talent acquisition, that's huge. And then the, obviously the economies of scale. But the bit that really I keyed in on was the sense of belonging, because that is the major downside of launching your own firm is you're now alone. You don't have those colleagues to bounce off of, and it is quite isolating. And um, you're in a vacuum. And so to have the benefit of launching your own business while still keeping the good bit of working for someone else, which is you've got colleagues, you've got like office parties, you've got things happening, there's buzz, there's, you know, there's awards, there's, you know, that you're, you have a ready-made culture rather than like one, two, three, five people, you're building culture, but it's, it takes a while to kind of really create something that's cohesive, that is attractive to people where you start being able to snowball, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's brilliant. You mentioned you made a lot of mistakes in the first nine years, which now you're, you're uh, able to help your team and your new founders to avoid. What have been some of those big mistakes that in retrospect, you're, well, I guess they're learning opportunities, but I'm sure they're painful. Um, I mean, everything, we've made mistakes doing doing all all sorts of things, Um, from hiring the wrong people, seeing, seeing pound signs and hiring the wrong people, maybe thinking, oh, maybe they're not quite right for the culture, but, you know, they're going to make lots of money. Yeah, we've we've done that um, in the past, which is uh, yeah, we learned pretty early actually that that wasn't the right way to go. Um, the 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 people and who we bring into our environment is um, is so very important, and we're very very protective over that. So not only have we made mistakes hiring people, we've also made the wrong investments in in the wrong profile of person. Um, yeah, whether it be I don't know. Um, some some mistakes we've prevented happening or some some things we've prevented happening as well with our with our kind of the extension of our network so we're we're quite fortunate that there's three of us so mm-hmm. three of us um with with three very different skill sets actually and a, and very different networks so we we do get we we do get kind of um that kind of gets gets i suppose accelerated um so I'm thinking of a of a um, of a point now around yeah finding an office for example. So when we first started, we um, yeah we were looking at uh, we were looking at getting into a, a, a shared space of some sort. And I ran it past a friend of mine. Said, look, just make sure we're not making a huge mistake getting into this. And she said, well, stop there. Hold on. Actually, she worked for a, she worked for Knight Frank, and she, and she said, stop there. Don't do that. I've got this amazing opportunity for you that is too small for us to really market and do anything with. But um, here you go. Here's this amazing office, and it was a beautiful office in in Victoria. It's like a 400 square foot room with a garden and a bay window, and it was this amazing place for us to for us to be. And that that's kind of a benefit of our extended um, network, I suppose. Um, Back to your um, your point around mistakes. I mean, one of the first early mistakes is we probably got a bit too close to our restrictive covenants when we first started, although we were heavily advised not to. Um, so I won't I won't blame anyone, but we uh, specifically on here. But we we got a little bit too close to our restrictive covenants, so we we um, we got a lot of heat from our um, ex employer, 
Um, mm -hmm. So it was, um, I remember now quite quite well, it was around the, 20, I think it was the 26th or 27th of September. I was driving out of London um, back to my parents in Gloucestershire and I got a phone call, I think from Charlie saying like, have you seen, have you, have you had any posts or have you had an email? And I was like, no, I haven't had a, what are you talking about? He was like, we've got a 27 page letter from Mish Rea on behalf of, uh, on behalf of Michael Page, which was a, yeah, Mish Cons are a big law firm. So we, um, that basically, yeah, one month in from a, from an official launch day, that literally turned our world upside down. We didn't do any work for two weeks. We just sat with lawyers and, um, it, it did the job. It really, really distracted us. So, um, which is probably with the primary, well, it's to distract you, but also like drown you in legal costs that you really can't afford when you're a startup. Yeah. It cost over, it cost more than a third of our initial investment that the responding wow. to those letters. Okay. So, um, yeah, it cost us 10,000 pounds. Um, and I, yeah, I went, I went, I went and had a chat with, um, with somebody who still worked at the business. And, and I was like, look, how, wh wh when are the, when's this gonna, when's this gonna stop? Do we need to, do we need to close the business down? Like we were, we were 24 hours away from shutting three search and starting again, starting again. Wow. Um, uh, yeah. So I'd say, yeah, the restrictive covenants piece is really important. Um, we actually weren't, weren't, we actually weren't trying to do anything wrong. We just got a bit close to the line. Um, and, uh, that's a, that was a, that was a big lesson, but yeah, quite a fun story these days. What, <laughs> what was the learn from that? Like what in retrospect, how would you have done it differently to avoid that 10 K and all that stress? So I actually, I think restrictive covenants are such a blessing to get when you, when you leave employment and you start your own business, because, um, you should, you should abide by them as much as possible. And it gives you an opportunity to build a new network or to leverage an old network. And so you spend your first six, nine, 12 months, whatever your covenant period is, um, operating in a market that either you don't know or you know less. And it gives you an opportunity to do something very as closely aligned as you can with what you want to build, but with different, with, with kind of not your closest, most recent contacts. Because your closest, most recent contacts, you know, if you've got good relationships with them, they're going to come and work with you in six, nine, 12 months time anyway. So you work really hard through the first period and abiding by your restrictive covenants. And then when that's over, you've, you've got a, this new set of customers as well as the old ones you can go back to. So I think it's a real blessing in the medium term. Um, and that's what we've learned is, is play by the rules. Um, there's plenty of work out there for everybody. Um, no, one needs to, no one needs to fall out about it. Um, just kind of get, get your head down and, and, and crack on in the areas that you're allowed to. And... Uh, um, don't sign anything post leaving. Also, I would say you'll, you'll get, you might get a, a, a post termination contract popped in front of you, ah. um, by an employer. I would say, uh, speak to a lawyer for advice, but, uh, I wouldn't see any reason to sign that. You've already signed your employment contract. There's no need to re-sign anything else. Great advice. I suppose it also gets you back fighting fit and builds those business development muscles again, which sometimes have gotten flabby if you've gotten you know, used to having repeat business from certain accounts and you can no longer work with those for companies for X period of time, then it forces you to get, remember how to, or learn if you never learned in the first place, how to do new business. Especially if you're on your own, because um, often people setting up their own business are, 
often they're not recruiters anymore. They're managers or, or yeah, these days, I suppose most managers are still are, are billers as well. But yeah, sometimes they're, they're more senior and they're just in a man management position. Um, yeah. So on your own, that's tricky. I think we were, we were lucky in that um, the three of us have three very different skill sets and that we identified that early on um, and we've, we've pretty much stuck to them um, to this day with a, with a bit of movement. So um, Charlie was always going to be the man manager and uh, he was, yeah, people loved working for him. He, he was really good at it. He is really good at it. Um, and so we identified that he was going to be the manager of people. Um, Andy, as I said, uh, was, was, um, uh, was younger than us at the time. So he was 26 when we, when we set the business up. Um, but he was this superstar biller, right? He, he also managed a couple of people at the time, but he was a, um, he was a, his real skill was in placing jobs. You know, he, he would work every hour he needed to, to make sure that, that work got filled. So that was his job to begin with. Um, and my job was finding work for Andy to fill. And then it was always going to be finding people to work for us. Um, and then Andy's job has really evolved over the nine years. You know, he, he only had a couple of years experience when we started, he's now got significantly more. Um, and he's also stayed in the market. He stayed, he's client-wise, he's stayed in that client market ever since then. So he's now, yeah, does a far bigger business development job than we ever think thought he would when we when we started this. He's, he's now very, very well-known, very well-networked and well-capable in developing work. Um, and I, I still, yeah, find people to work for us and find new people to invest in. And having that um, distinction of skill sets, I think, is really, really helpful. Um, I think doing it on your doing it as one person is really really hard. Doing it as two equal shareholders is maybe even harder because you can't make a decision often. Um, often, if you yeah, lots of people go into a recruitment business with, with two of them um, with the greatest intentions that, that that's a yeah that's a good thing to do. But um, yeah, you, you're in this you're in this quandary. If one of you owns more than the other, then usually has more voting voting rights than the other, then that person makes the decision always. And if there's two of you that have 50-50 split, um, that's usually 50-50 split on decision-making. And if you don't agree on something, you can't move forward. Um, we've been lucky that with the three of us, we've run a two-to-one voting system on everything apart from a few, a few caveats to that. So we won't hire somebody unless all three of us want to hire them, for example. Um, and basic rules like that have been easier to, to, um, to, to operate with three of us. This is actually really interesting, and I wasn't planning on delving into this today, but we actually, we see a lot of multi-owner businesses where there's two or three co-founders who are partners, and it's got pros and cons to that setup, as you've identified. What advice do you have for making that work? You've already highlighted one thing, which is actually being really clear on what each person's strengths are and assigning different roles to each partner within the business. Are there any other pitfalls or, or things that you guys have found has made it work? Um, we are biblically honest with each other. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are brutally honest with each other a lot of the time. Um, you, you have to challenge each other. You have to hold each other to account, to standards. We have things that we're all responsible for. Um, and then we, we hold each other to account for those, for those things. Um, our first meetings were in the, in the early years were like very, very intense. Um, we were so committed. We were so 
um, so keen, so ambitious to make it work that we we would have really, really draining like meetings where we were we were challenging each other a lot and holding each other to account. Um, yeah, that's that's chilled out a bit over the years. Um, but uh, but I would say be be vocal with each other about what's expected. Um, and then pull and then pull each other up on on what's delivered or not. Otherwise, you start stewing. Um, and also, I would I would when you look, we've seen time and time again people come to us as a pair, um, and, and they're talking about splitting it fifty fifty. And I look at them and I'm like, why on earth are you um, willing or, or or want to split it fifty fifty with this other person who seemingly doesn't bring half to the party what you're bringing? Um, mm. I think a lot of that is down to just comfort, somebody not wanting to do it completely alone. But there are other options to not doing it completely alone without um without choosing a partner that that might not be um up to your standard capability or or network wise. Or commitment. Um, like or I commitment. Think, yeah, like people can learn skills or can you know, but you know, absolutely everyone has to be to make this work, everyone has to be a hundred percent committed, right? And that's if there's a discrepancy there, that's bound to cause it issues does. and resentments. Um, yeah. Are you worried about keeping your recruitment firm up to date with the latest technology? After all, your clients expect you to be ahead of the curve. But how do you select the right tech for your recruitment firm and make sure that you earn enough new business as a direct result to make back the cost of your investment? Which is why our friends at iIntro provide in-depth coaching alongside their technology to help you get the most out of your investment. They offer an extensive suite of tools, but let's just take one example, their behavioral assessment tool. It's built right into their online system, so you don't have to buy or learn a whole new platform. They also include training on how to use behavioral assessments to improve your pitching technique while also increasing the longevity of your placements to a staggering 96% after 12 months. For a free demo of iIntro's suite of recruitment tools, including behavioral assessment, just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained. Remember, when you engage with our sponsors, you also help support this podcast. Just go to recruitmentcoach.com forward slash retained, then follow the instructions to get started. Joe, you you mentioned something which um, I thought was interesting, and that is, well, one of the things that we see, which causes issues with partners or multiple directors of a business, is lack of a shared vision. They all seem to have different ideas of what they're trying to accomplish. Um, how have were you guys always clear from the beginning, like what success looked like, or from day one, definitely not actually. Okay. Um, what we did really well was ha- was articulated a vision that we all bought into, um, that worked in the in the in the short medium term for three search, which enabled us to hire people really well. So that's something we'll come back onto, I think, which is really important. Yeah. But you know, you, you know, if you sat us all down and said, "How long you're in this for?" I think I, I think I remember quite this quite clearly. Quite clearly at the time, you know, I wanted to get in and out. I wanted I was the typical. Um, it was a typical answer from me that was, yeah, I want to be in and out in five years. So I, I said, yeah, I've, at the time, had enough of recruitment probably. Um, considered doing another another business away from recruitment. I landed on recruitment um, again. So I was like, five years, I'm out. That's it, I'm done. And Andy, like hyper ambitious um, at the time, he wanted to take over the world. And he was like, let's build something bigger than 
Michael Page or whatever. You know, he was like super ambitious of like, let's let's really go for it. And I think um, I think Charlie was probably more reasonably somewhere in the middle, um, which is kind of generally how our relationship has uh, <laughs> has transpired over okay. over the years. Um, yeah. So, how, what was the process of coming of refining that to something that everybody could buy into? Um, it's just happened naturally. It's like we yeah. we 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 constantly talk about what what are we doing. Yeah. What are we doing? Are we still all bought in? Is this the plan? Because you can just start thinking, um, or oh, wouldn't it be good if we do this, 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 and this? And these days, you know, we we don't spend an awful lot of time together as a three um, talking about stuff, and making decisions. So if you're not careful, you can you can start planning the future um, on your own, and then one of the others is planning a slightly different future. And as you as you, as you kind of as time goes on, those those plans get further and further and further apart. So um, it's important to keep talking about what we're building. Um, but as I said, it's kind of naturally come together because we're, we're all of us are enjoying it more and more than we ever have. We're more ambitious than we ever have been. We're getting on with each other more than we ever have. Um, and so it's kind of because of because we're really enjoying what we're building. Is there's naturally just become there's no time there's no end goal. No one's talking about. No one's talking about trying to build a 10,000 person business, but also no one's talking about selling in two years. Um, it's just not, that's not, we, we, that's, that's not on the, on the radar. Um, I think what helped that is a, a couple of years ago, we were, we were approached um, to, to sell 3Search. Okay. Um, so we had a very interested party in 3Search in as a bit as a standalone business that we were, they were going to say, yeah, they'll, they'll buy it and you can, you can, um, yeah, keep the other keep the other business going, but you know your your commitment has to be here. Um, and there was a lot of money, and uh, we went quite far down that process. And mm. um, and we really liked the guys. We still do really like the guys who who wanted to buy the business. Um, but it just didn't feel quite right. Um, I think we there probably wasn't wasn't quite enough money for where we what we thought we'd got the business to. So. I suppose the the profit number that was that was the the valuation was being calculated on, although the valuation was very generous on that profit number, we we felt we got ourselves into a, an amazing position to then grow from there across the group. So, um, and honestly, it made us feel a little bit cold. Um, and, and you know, what we're we gonna, what would we do after that? And you know, it, it started. It wasn't as um, it wasn't as exciting as as maybe you'd um, you'd hope it would be. So we're we're really loving what we're doing. We're really enjoying the journey. Um, we get some validation with what we're doing internally, both internally and most importantly internally from the guys who continue to work with us. Um, and yeah, we're we're seeing how good we can how good we can be. Amazing. Uh, that's it's such a cool story. Talk to me about creating a business that people want to work for and actually you know, being recognized by the Sunday Times as well as a great place to work. Um, that can only really happen through conscious planning and, you know, deciding that that's what you're going to do. What, um, what, what was that thought process and how have you gone about that? I think that's, that's just all evolved from, from, day, from day one, from, from, from hiring the first person we hired. So we, we had recognized early that hiring people is going to be hard. Um, in the recruitment industry, and keeping people was going to be hard in the in the in the recruit doing what we're doing. It's a hyper competitive market. 
um, as everybody knows, right? Everyone knows whether whether they run their own thing or they're in, or they're employed. Um, hiring is hard. If you if you're employed um, in a in a larger business with a with an existing brand, let me tell you, when you do your own thing, it's it's a bit harder than you think it might be. Um, but we'd we'd committed to providing an, a, as good a place, a good an environment as we possibly could for for people to work, so they loved it. Because if they loved it, they're going to stay, and if they're going to stay they'll end up being more profitable. And not only that, they'll tell more people that they love it. And so then more people will be interested in joining. That combined with building a, we'll go into more detail about that, but that combined with building a, as good an, um, a brand with our customers as we can um, was really important because people do question your track record. They do question what, yeah, how, how successful are, are you? How successful are your individuals? Um, good recruiters want to know that. So, you know, we've got, you know, three search on its own has got five hundred and seventy five google five star google reviews um in the group I think we're over nine hundred five star google reviews that's like wow that's that amazing. is like that blows that blows competitors out of the water like that just doesn't exist in the industry um unless I'm missing something obvious um that combined with our yeah we've got really really good glass door profile um and this this employer brand we're building is all based around us really striving to provide the best benefits package we possibly can um, as a kind of holistic package for people. It's really important that we consider we consider everybody's needs collectively rather than just paying as much commission as we possibly can or um, having an amazing holiday benefit or, yeah, we're, we're trying to put everything together. So we've got, a, we do have an amazing commission structure, I believe. We do have a good holiday. Yeah, we've got unlimited holiday. We've been doing that since day one. Um, so one of the early adopters of that. Um, yeah, the, the goal is to provide the best, best environment we possibly can um, and build this platform that enables everybody to flourish both professionally and personally. And if we do that and, and have this environment and build this, um, this sense of belonging, um, then people are more likely to, to enjoy themselves. And, and, and if they're more likely to enjoy themselves, they're more likely to stay. And, and I, that's, I agree. That's so important in our industry. I agree a hundred percent. This is a, the biggest failing. Well, I don't know what the biggest, one of the biggest failings of the recruitment industry overall is the attrition rate and the, just the staff turnover, which has, has a knock on effect on client candidate relationships and, and the perception of the industry and everything else. So, and it's just so crazy when you think of how much more profitable it is to keep people. Um, so, could you give... so, so what, what, something, to, something to talk about there is what yeah. we don't do, which a lot of the recruitment industry do, is just hire lots of people and see who's going to work out. Right. We are very, very selective over who we hire. Um, mm -hmm. And then we put our all into making that person work, um, mm -hmm. giving them the best, best platform possible. Yeah, whether that's technology or benefits or the, any flexibility they might need or um, the management style or we just give people the best possible environment to to realize their ambition which is yeah uh, something that's really important for us across the board you know we 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 want people to do that um so although we've although we have grown yeah considerably over the last few years we we have met lots and lots and lots of people we haven't wanted to hire um and we are very selective over who we do and i think that's something that that's a big miss um and and but people do that, you know. You you see these these businesses, you know, recruiting cohorts of ten, twenty people at a time, and then literally sink or swim, see what happens, go through this academy style, and 
I understand why they do it because it's sometimes quite difficult to interview um, people to to know what they're going to be like in in real life. And yeah, sometimes mm-hmm. we get it wrong. Um, but it's really important to us that we don't have that sort of um, hire and sink or swim culture. We have a very um, supportive, collaborative environment. Um, that is I love that. To and begin with. Could you give more specifics around? So you've talked about the benefits, but what are some of the other specific things that have created that culture, provided the platform, and allowed you to win that Sunday Times? Like, what are the factors? If you boiled it down to, you know, three, four, five, six things that you think are the eight, or let's put it the 80 20 rule, what are the key things that really make people perform and stay with you? People, people have to buy into what you're building in order to. Yeah, we, we've got a. We've our industry is around humans working hard to to. That, that's effectively what it is, and 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 people have to be motivated to do that. Um, and self motivated. Yeah, mean? exactly. They have. They do have to be self motivated to do that because well, they do in our environment because we don't. We don't. Yeah. We don't heavily measure and demand more from people in a KPI, in a blanket KPI sense. Um, so it's all about garnering as much discretionary effort as you can out of individuals. Um, you know, you have to, people will have to want to work hard for you and for the environment. And so it's, it's leading with caring, um, providing, uh, providing these things first um, in, the, in the hope that, that the return is going to be loyalty, hard work, care. Um, we do a lot of cross-pollination where it's all possible. So um, referring work within the, uh, within the brands, we do that as well as we can. Um, it's a really collaborative environment. We, we, we hire very collaborative people. So we hire team players um, with, with high standards. So we, it's, it's a real fine balance we've got to strike between hiring people who are, we are, they are competitive, but also they care about each other and they want to help each other. And and getting that right, um, you know, having the the environment that's really supportive within a high performance culture, um, mm-hmm. yeah, means that means that people stick around and 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 they enjoy it and they they are grateful for um, for how for for what what we've built and 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 they want to be a part of that. It's really interesting how because a lot of recruitment business owners want the big billers, right? They want to find those men and women who are going to absolutely kill it and just generate a lot of revenue. And those individuals are not sometimes not the best team players, not always. Um, but how do you, how do you know that someone's going to be collaborative before you hire them? Um, so we hire based on behaviors or values, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and ours are be kind, have ambition, show respect and love what you do, which are really quite woo-woo for the recruitment industry. Uh, in, <laughs> no, in, I like in them. General. That's good. Um, yeah. But we try and get that bit right. And if we get that bit right and then give give people the tools and the, the framework of how we operate, then I think that, um, I think that, um, that they, that they can be both. Yeah. I, I think of our, I think of our, some, some of our top billers, um, and uh, and yeah, although they are driven, like some of them spend an awful lot of time helping other people, um, mm. and they do care, and they do they do coach, and they they do um, they are important parts of the culture. Um, yeah, I think there are there are it doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be um, mutually exclusive. Totally. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. So um, I, something else that I'm aware of is that you have, I think you have a 50-50 gender split mm. within your 100 people, which is... It might be it might be a bit unusual. Yeah, it is it is unusual. It might be a bit I think it's a bit a bit heavier towards females in, in okay. definitely in three search at the moment. Um it's really it was really important to us um from day one. So our first hire was female. Uh yeah, we are three blokes at the end of the day, three white males trying to build diverse businesses, not particularly easy. Um we knew we were gonna have to hire a, a female um early on if we wanted to have any sort of gender diversity in the business, which was really important to us. Um, you know, some of the best recruiters I've worked with uh, in my career are, are, are women and and we didn't want a male, all-male environment. Um, mm -hmm. Not least, we hire, we hire mar yeah, three searches, a marketing recruiter, and it's, it's, it is a, you know, there, there are lots of female marketers and there are lots of females in that industry. So, um, we yeah focused on it from day one. We've we've always um, thought about it. We've always um, yeah wanted to have a balanced business. We have significant amounts of female leadership. We have female founder. We have all of our um, heads of department in um in the support functions are female, apart from one. Um, we have a significant female leadership profile and yeah both at direct or director level manager level through the business um it's um it's something we we yeah, we, de we definitely live and breathe and so uh, joe yeah, um i this is something i talked to ann swain about do you know ann or I don't absco know ann. you know absco the association I know of professional yep, yep. staffing companies so she's the chairperson of that and she they've done some research um that shows that gender balance is fairly balanced at the entry level in recruiting, but at senior levels, the more senior you get, the more male dominated it becomes. And, um, you know, they were looking into why that would be and interviewing, you know, uh, people in the industry to sort of get to grips with it. But her early, based on the early research, her suspicion is that is the culture. And it's, it's not that females couldn't get promoted is that they kind of opt out. They get like, the the typical recruitment agency culture is one that um, leads more is is more appealing sometimes to young men than to young women, and so they were almost like mm, I don't know if I really want to if this is for me longer term. Um, so how have you fostered that uh, progression and the leadership being uh, so diverse? Um. Uh, I suppose we were um, fortunate in that several of the senior female leaders we've got in the business we've we've known historically. Um, okay. So I've, I've either I or one of us has worked with previously. Um, it's important that not only uh, do we have female um, females on the on the senior leadership teams, but that they have a significant voice. Um, and that they are, they are, their 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 comments, their thoughts are heard, and and yeah, we 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 respond to those. Um, providing an environment that where people feel safe and respected and um, valued. Uh, so we try and listen. Uh, we 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 survey the business an awful lot. Um, yeah, questionnaires. How are you? you know, what can we be doing better? How are you feeling? Yeah. 
about certain points and then gen- and then generally. So um, it, it's continuous. It's not we haven't got we're not we're not perfect. We, we, there's, it's not it's a ever moving um, ever moving kind of situation. But I think that the more um, females that are on the kind of uh, the table, the the more uh, the the easier it becomes to 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 attract even more. Definitely, um, yeah. There is a it is a, like a virtuous cycle there, I guess. Yeah. Um, where it people then there are role models, there are mentors, and also new people joining the business can see that you are serious about it. It's not just look. Of service. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. Everybody says the same thing. It's about what well, what does your track record prove? Um, and we had to work really hard in the early days to 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 to, to make sure we were living what we were saying. Fantastic. Um, you mentioned surveying the business. I think that's a really important thing to do. Is there a particular tool or platform that you use for that, or if you developed your own? Uh, I think we probably use Hi Bob these days. Not just our HR platform. HR platform. Hi Bob. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what's your What's your goal in doing that? To genuinely make sure people are happy. Um, yeah. It's anonymous. Um, we want We want people to tell us everything, warts and all, so that we can do something about it. Yeah. Um, it's not always incredibly helpful, but it, it you know it, it's always helpful. Not every answer is incredibly helpful, um, but it also gives us an opportunity to explain why we're not doing something. Um, so, so that things don't stew, people don't fester on things. You know, it gives us an opportunity to, yeah, yeah, exactly. To not only to to do better, but explain why we're not doing things they might they might want us to do. Um, an example of that might be more working from home these days. Like we we they, we survey them, they tell us they love being part of the culture, and the most the best thing about being here is the people they work with. And then some of them in the same breath are like, but, but I quite like to work home five days a week. And it's like, well, that's not, that doesn't work. For us, that's not how we're running our business. Um, we want people who want to be part of our environment. And some of the time that is in the office with each, with everybody at the same time. Um, that's just an example of why. Um, and then, so to that, so we would then communicate in that instance, we would then communicate to the business why we're not doing something. So the, the risk there is that you like you highlight something someone's got a problem with because it's anonymous. You highlight something someone's got a problem with and you you bring that to the fore. But I think it's important that we do address it and we do we do explain why we're doing certain things because I think often communication within organizations is is uh, poor or non-existent on decision making. Definitely. And and you know, I I might I might be in a situation where a recruiter from another business is complaining to me, complaining at me about a part of their organisation, um, and I can see why that's why that is happening, um, but it's not being communicated to them effectively. And if it was, that that, that maybe that person wouldn't be sat in front of me. Okay, so really interesting. Um, I love the fact you're doing these surveys and that you're then using it to improve communication within the business so everyone knows what's going on. And I think there is a disconnect often between the the leadership are strategizing, planning, and making certain policy decisions, but they're not transparent about that or explaining the the reason why and ultimately the benefit to the to the team members as to why it's actually in everyone's interest to 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 do it that way. Um, what's so but let's talk about that specific subject because there's so I mean, I know it's been done to death on LinkedIn, but I'm really interested in your perspective as a 
owner who's an investor who's scaling businesses, why you believe it's super important to have people in the office for a good chunk of time. And like, how many days a week are you guys in full time or like, is it a hybrid? What's your setup? Yeah, we are, we are hybrid. We're still hybrid. Yeah. We are, um, in the main, we're in three days a week. There are yeah. exceptions to that. So we might want them very junior people in more, slightly more yeah. than that, four days. Um, some people who live far away will be in less. We've got yeah. people in Rowan and York. We've got Chloe in Bristol. So, um, we're obviously, well, we're not obvious, but obviously we're in, we're in the central West end. So we're a Piccadilly circus. So we're, we're yeah. pretty central for people who are in the Southeast, but, um, yeah, so we have a hybrid model um, and my view on it. So I, I think back to when I was a 23-year-old in the, starting out in my recruitment career and I, I absorbed and I learned so much from people who weren't directly in my team. Um, mm -hmm. you, know, you, you hear snippets or phrases that people use or the way they go about things or, um, yeah, people grab you and help you with stuff, training sessions, whether you have training sessions or... But mostly important, mostly, I think it's what you learn from others who are not your direct line manager. Your direct line manager um, is managing probably other people and they're doing a billing job. There's only a limited amount of time they can spend with you, whether that's in the office or virtually. So, um, excuse me, you, it's so beneficial to be around other people doing the same job. Um, it's really, really beneficial when, you, when, you're, when you're very early in your career. But I think it's still beneficial um, throughout, throughout your journey. I, I learn from people around me all the time. Um, we also want to hire people who, who want to be around other, who want to be around other people. That's kind of, that's the profile of person we want to hire. Yeah. We, we enjoy being together. Um, uh, and I think, I think most humans actually would, would like, or a lot of humans anyway, um, like to be in sociable environments. Um, and the profile of person we hire, we, we, we want to, be in the business is going to be that person. Um, there is flexibility around it. There is, we, we don't, we don't um, work crazy hours. We are um, reasonable and respectful of people's time, but we, but we want to be together. And uh, we, think that's, we think that's the right way. Do you know, I, I am definitely leaning with you on this topic, um, but I want to play devil's advocate just for a second to sort of, sound this out together. By the way, did you hear Stephen Bartlett's interview with Malcolm Gladwell? No. Uh, do you know Diary of a CEO? With I do, yeah. Stephen? Uh, so it was, because they were they were both saying, so Malcolm Gladwell from a, uh, it's just a really brilliant thinker and, and author. He's one of my favorite authors. And uh, Stephen Bartlett, obviously really successful um, entrepreneur. And they were both saying like, human beings are wired to need that connection and be with other people? And do we really want to build a society where we're all just sitting in our pajamas and never leave home? You know, and they kind of, and they got absolutely like slated on uh, on social media of like being dinosaurs and not- By, by people you know, in their pajamas. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, let me, the, the counter argument is what you're saying is true, but the benefits of remote work outweigh the disadvantages in in many respects, i.e., um, you know, a, able to attract talent more easily because that's people what people want or they think they want it. Number two is opportunities to um, expand beyond your local region in terms of 
you know, the talent you can attract, you've got a much bigger talent pool, potentially, if you can recruit in the whole country, or even, you know, in other countries, um, you're, you know, so that challenge of finding good people, when you've got the whole world to play with, obviously, then that, uh, that might be a potential solution. Um, and thirdly, people who have since COVID, they've actually almost redesigned their whole life um, to avoid commute. Like they've moved further out of the city. They've invested in bigger homes or, and, or, you know, it, for people say with disabilities, it's been a huge benefit to not have to come into the office and to be able to work from home in an environment that supports them. So I can, I can see lots of, I mean, the commute for me is the biggest one. Uh, Like I, I've worked from home now for 20 plus years and, um, not having an extra two hours added onto my workday is definitely, you know, uh, a benefit. So what's, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I can comfortably get around your first two points. Okay. All right. Uh, I think you're right. I think it is easier or it can be easier to attract people who, like you say, think they want to work remotely. Yeah. However, I would, I would go further than that and say it is much harder to keep those people. So you will, you will, you, you will be, you will find it way more difficult to build a self sense of being and culture that humans naturally want to be a part of. Mm. So you, you're more likely to lose those people that you've so easily hired. So I think that I think that one's out the window. So it cancels each other out. Yeah, um, we can say cancels each other out if you All want. Right. But I, yeah. I I think it's a I don't think it's a uh, yeah. Well, I, I believe I'm obviously on one on this. I believe it's um, really important to to provide that. Um, yeah, that environment for people to want to remain a part of. Yeah. Um, your second point, I think it's much harder to manage people remotely. So you, even if you do build this team, it's much harder to 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 manage them. To um, everything, everything's got to be booked in, or you can't just grab somebody or shout something across the office. You've got a phone call or, or organize a team's call. It's just like logistically running a business of our size it's 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 more formulaic um and more, i think more difficult to get um product out of people if they're if they're all remote so you talk yeah. about you talk about servicing other parts of the world like we our us team is based in in the office in london um yeah. recruiting recruiting across the us um your third point is um is more valid uh i do think people have um designed their lives some of them have moved moved away from cities. Um, I think some people are starting to move back to the cities, though. You know, this happened. I think I think I read something at the beginning of the pandemic. This happened in the Spanish flu, where people ran away from big conurbations, and slowly over a period of time following that, they came back to the conurbations. and And I think that's um, that's started to happen already. And some people, like you, clearly it works for for a long period of time. Um, and you're happy and it's where you want to be. But um, I think for, uh, for lots of people, it won't be, it won't be a permanent thing. Um, yeah, for the, for the, yeah. the, the disability piece, well, there's no argument. I can't argue with that. Like you make, yeah. you, that's, a, that's a, absolutely a valid point. And, and, and for certain instances, it's, it's, a, it's, it's valid. I think, yeah, I mean, look, I don't run a recruitment business. It, our business is uh, 100% remote. Um, so my colleagues in the UK, Leanne is in Nottingham and Julie is in Belfast. And, um, and then we have a remote team in the Philippines as well. And it has taken 
longer, especially with the the guys in the Philippines, it's taken a lot longer to create culture. And it's been, um, and you do have to, it's, it's not spontaneous. Like the other day, Leanne organized that we had a team lunch. So we just chatted over lunch and on Zoom and it was a lot of fun. And But it, you yeah. have to almost, it doesn't happen spontaneously. You have to engineer it. And, um, but, and, and the people I'm hiring for our core team here in the UK are not, are not juniors. Yeah, They're exactly. very yeah. experienced. I, I think, I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm yeah. just saying for, for what we're trying to build, it would be, mm. I think on the whole, it would be much harder. Um, and, and I have to stress, we are not an inflexible business. Like I'm going to get, I'll get hammered by my business partners. if they, they, <laughs> I'm coming across as a draconian five day a week. Um, <laughs> Like that's not what we are. We're we're a yeah. flexible, hybrid, forward-thinking business that 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 um that wants people to benefit from each other's company most yeah. of the time. Um, yeah, and there are exceptions to everything that we do. Um, so what do you think are the well? Uh, let me put. Let me just open this up to you for a second, Joe. Like, is there anything that we haven't discussed yet that you were really keen that we should uh, explore together? Um. Oh, I think you've I think you've covered everything that that uh that um that I wanted to to get across. I feel like this is this hopefully we part one of uh you know of two or or more because there's so much we could delve into like in terms of scaling there's so many more challenges and and opportunities that I'd love to pick your brains about further so can we say to be continued absolutely there's loads uh there's loads more I'm sure that we could that we could discuss um in terms of growing things yeah awesome joe so finally like uh 11 investments what's the plan from here you you know you've got six we've got six is that including S uh, three search? Including three search, yeah, yeah. Still wish it was um, S three. Um, no, I, I automatically say S three instead of it, three search. It happens um, a lot. Um, yeah, look, the, the the we are grouping, we are building a an incubating investor, which is a, a group of discipline specific recruitment companies. We're going to be yeah. The next goal is eleven, which only because we're called eleven, it makes, makes it sense. makes sense. So <laughs> we think that will be. Um, Headcount wise, we think that will probably be between two twenty and two fifty um, people, um, dependent on us finding finding business partners we're excited about and uh, and we want to we want to do things with. Um, I think we'll, we'll probably be international sooner than we thought we were going to be. Actually, um, opportunities are arising that 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 that, um, that look really really interesting for us there. Um, yeah, and we we are we're we're seeing how much fun we can have and seeing how good we can be. Um, Awesome. Trying to earn a living at the time. So, Joe, uh, if if someone listening is interested in like being a founder and and partnering with you or learning more about uh, what you guys have going on, what how, how should they do that? Uh, yeah, they can they can reach out to me either on LinkedIn or uh, by email, which is Joe at eleveninvestments.co.uk. Fantastic, Joe. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Mark. It's been great. Thank you for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. I know how busy recruiters are, so I'm honored that you're investing this time with me each week. I don't take your attention for granted. That's why I'm going all out to deliver value for you here, real insights you can apply to improve your business. And if you really want to help me to reach a wider audience and impact more people, please consider leaving the show a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you leave me a review, 
please reach out and let me know so I can thank you personally. Please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you next time.